Hello there and welcome to this episode of the Movies in Focus podcast. I'm Niall Brown. Belfast-based director Dominic O'Neill joins the Movies in Focus podcast to discuss his new comedy horror film, Haunted Ulster Live. A comedy of errors, Haunted Ulster Live uses the famed UK mockumentary Ghost Watch as a stepping off point. Taking place in a supposedly haunted house, the broadcast is interrupted by things that go bump in the night, as well as the myriad of errors that can take place during a live TV recording. Yes, there are similarities with Ghostwatch, but Haunted Ulster Live is its own thing. A piece of well-honed entertainment. The laughs are well-earned, and the horror delivers some heft, especially the final moments, which reminded me of John Carpenter's The Prince of Darkness, as well as Prano Bainley Bond's Censor. Dominic talks about the origins of his new film, the trials and tribulations of making and releasing a low-budget horror film, and how television in his native Ulster helped influence this well-honed genre piece. As always, I hope you enjoy what we have to talk about. Hi, Dominic. Hello, Niall. How are you? I'm all right. You... How are you today? I'm good. I'm a bit... Worse for wear, Belfast Film Festival launched yesterday. Yes, I saw that. So uh, yeah. you were having a good yeah, time. Uh, there were pints, of course, afterwards. You know. Well, you wouldn't have it any other way, would you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we've got, we've got the Irish premieres coming up on Halloween night. So that'll be like, that'll be nice. That's it. Um, QFT, isn't it? QFT, yeah. Um, and... Uh, uh, then hopefully I'll I'll be able to take a wee bit of a break from marketing. You know, I would love to be writing another film, but instead you're doing all the social media and everything. It's That's it. as you know, it's take it takes over. Like it's hard to switch between the two things. You end up doing one or the other. You know. Well, that's and you. I mean, you've been doing the festival circuit as well, and I haven't spoken to people. That's a lot of work. You know, just even the submissions and then going along to that sort of stuff. It is. You kind of get into a groove of it, but it's it's daunting at the start. Like, but you learn you learn a lot. Like, so I've this is the third year that I've been going th- through the horror festivals, and you kind of get to know then what's worthwhile, and you know, your your instincts get good yeah. about festivals as well. You know, um, but I mean, it must be good. Something like Fright Fest, where you got a great reception for it. You know. I know, so lucky. See the difference one big festival makes like that. It's incredible. It's it's unreal. Like, um, because all the all the press that you get from it, um, and you know you're you're beside uh some serious talent and some serious films, but you're being you're being treated on a level with them. So yes. it's it's a real it's a real endorsement. Going to fright fest and having something that's very northern irish you know of of a certain time period you know are you worried that they might think they they might not get the joke the sort of the utv vibe of it and all all that sort of thing yeah it's funny i i never really worried about that because people like comedy and horror to be very specific somebody said this to me uh a while, a while ago, it always stuck with me how horror fans will watch happily watch horror in foreign language, but they might not watch any other films yeah. in foreign language. Um, and it's so true. Um, 
so I and I think that I think that kind of works with haunted also live that um people kind of love the they love local they love regional they love very specific we also thought about dairy girls as well and how dairy girls has been yeah. such a big hit uh, who would have thought 10 years ago that a comedy with like with an undiluted thick dairy accent would be an international hit um so we were so we we kind of leaned into the the localness of it um and everywhere has their own local tv so people could get the they understand it if they don't yeah. maybe get all references, they still get the get the concept you know the the fact it's never quite as polished as the the, the, the national version that, that sort of you also get and obviously another reason for that that helped us with the production because it meant that if we had any little creaks <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah um, which is inevitable when you're shooting super low budget we it was kind of baked into the concept um that it was a it was a low budget local tv station and so was, that the, was the main presenter guy based on jerry anderson that that was my vibe but you're, you're the first person to to get that yeah yes well done. <laughs> you're the first person uh, i'll but in the script it was basically jerry anderson but we realized who obviously like people, nobody outside Ireland really knows. Um, uh, but, but when Mark came in, came in to do it, you know, he made it his own thing, right. uh, but couldn't do really, couldn't do an impersonation. And now he's Jerry Burns. I don't really think about the Jerry Anderson thing anymore, but the, the, the connection with Jerry Anderson is just that sort of really slightly sardonic but very friendly warm presenting style you know yeah. uh, and also it feels a bit it made him feel a lot more old-fashioned um beside michelle who's obviously the next generation presenter so it was just a way of creating a, a nice little um two sides of a coin there um but yeah like there's a I had Jerry Anderson's voice in my head for about two years. <laughs> and I was watching a lot of video and listened to a lot of his radio. And thankfully, when we got into production, that's gone now. I just, I don't hear him anymore. I just see Mark and hear Mark, yeah. you know. You're no longer haunted by the voice of Jerry Anderson. And he even did, Jerry Anderson did a, a radio program where he spent time in Crumlin Road Jail, like a ghost hunting thing. Right. Where he time in the jail overnight and I listened to it and it was so so good and some of that came into the character as well how his presenting style a lot of it is just front he's actually a very scared person underneath all that we kind of use that with the character a bit you know but no because I actually I mentioned it in my review and I was just I've, I've got to double check that just to make sure that I, I've just not projected my own thoughts and feelings onto it no you get a prize the first very first <laughs> Yeah, and another thing, I mean, you, you touched on it there. It's a kind of a low budget Northern Irish film. How do you go about getting the funding for it and, and doing all that work, which is probably the hardest part of it, I would think. Yeah, um, well, the hard the hardest part is really um, working out what what we had to work out what we had, who we could work with, and where we could kind of get people to do stuff for free 
part of the original idea was what's the cheapest horror film you could make and it just so happened that i already had this idea but one location 90s found footage all of that immediately saves you so much money because if you're shooting a tv style you're not having to shoot a, a scene four different angles um one location obviously saves you money because moving unit is one of the most expensive things in a film and the 90s uh, production design was something that was would be really achievable on a low budget but if we got it right it would make the film seem so much more because it would just make it so much more immersive um so all of that was came into consideration and we got the house when we got the location we kind of had to make a decision about what we had um and we had originally planned to shoot it in three weeks that went down to two weeks and then that went down to six days um hell. <laughs> um a few bits and pieces shot before and after but everything with the house was shot in six days which is like 90 95 percent of the film um so an amazing cast and crew is 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 how you do that really because our first ad did not balk at shooting 14 pages in a day um which is That's, unreal yeah tough going yeah um and everybody was just i was just i was thinking about this earlier actually just everybody was pulling in the same direction there was just it was just incredible um it was a, it was a great positive set as far as i'm concerned <laughs> <laughs> well you were the boss so i yeah, well <laughs> i think it was um and it was uh it was this time last year actually it was middle of november and we were shooting and we just you know just the gods were smiling on us so much went right and we, we just made sure that we started with the strongest possible script got it down to 83 pages it was kind of a synergy between having like a concept that i, I just thought of independently as like basically a utv ghost watch yep and then what would you do for your first feature and it was just the perfect match for that and sort of your writing process you, you kind of said you had the idea was when you decided to make the film had you anything on paper at that point or is it something that you'd sort of just thought about this is 2000 uh the 2020 sorry so it was kind of lockdown perfect time to start writing your first feature um uh, no, I'd written a couple of features before this, which are unproduced, but, you know, this was the first thing that was, like, achievable to, to make yourself. Um, all I knew before I wrote it was UTV Ghostwatch, but we would never have considered making it unless we had our own ghost story, which justified its its existence, you know. Um, so the characters came first, um, and all I had in my head was... The idea of somebody broadcasting from a room and then at the end of a film somebody burst into that room and they're not there but they're still on the monitor that was kind of the opening kind of and then kind of pulling all the threads from that um we started to bring in other elements of folklore standing stones um the house having a history but is it is it is it a real history or, or is it just somebody kind of spoofing the 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 psychics, but like the Derek Cora thing, famously yeah. on, on Most Haunted. Um, 
drawn on, uh, drawn on a lot of ghost hunting shows like Ghost Detectives, which I have here, which is a two thousand and one ghost hunting TV show. Uh, what I like about those ghost hunting TV shows is really the paranormal stuff. It's just the, it's the way they're, they're broadcast, the way they're uh, all they kind of attract all these characters who are like into the paranormal, into the techie stuff. Especially the ones that are so early, where it's very analog. Um, they're using very early, early digital cameras on that one, and I just love the idea that they're trying to make a TV show with very little, <laughs> with very little activity to actually report. Yeah, um, which is the way it would be that. here. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. there was there was one, there was one made there was a, a Northern Ireland um, ghost hunting show called Northern Ireland's Greatest Haunts, which is on in twenty ten. Um, it's all on YouTube, and um, that's where the first uh, that's the first time that I thought of this because, literally, like, it was just as you would expect. It had like local characters, local voices, um, and every every week they went round to a different um location in Northern Ireland that, that was supposed to have some kind of spooky activity. Um, so ghost hunting TV shows more so than Ghost Watch itself ghost hunting tv shows and how they're always a little bit like crap <laughs> <laughs> is kind of what like really attracted me but i i have a lot of affection for the people involved because i'm one of those people let's be honest like um yeah. so another thing was very early on we realized that we weren't this wasn't parody it was completely straight and we knew it would be funny, but it would be funny because it was completely straight. Um, and also, we weren't going to take the piss out of any any of these people. I think it's quite... And we weren't going to have any antagonism between two leads because you could have sort of... It would be very easy just to have, like, the older presenter being misogynistic to the yeah. young female. But we just kind of realised that, like, we liked this world, we liked these people. And... Um, everybody would kind of be on the same team and what the film would revolve around was just this kind of mystery of what's really going on, you know? And what, you, as you said there, you sort of, you kind of played it all straight, but once you get to the ending, the the horror elements of the ending are really, really good. And I'm, I don't mean that in the patronizing way. I mean, you, you could have just continued with it being kind of camp to an extent, but yeah. it's it's kind of got a, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness vibe to it, you know, uh, that sort of ending where it, it kind of stays with you. Yeah, and that's a good reference. When you uh, you mentioned that, um, and I rewatched that at the weekend because I yeah. hadn't seen it in years, and I totally see why, why you would say that, especially what I love about Prince of Darkness is the fact that they were, like, in this old church, but you've got all these analogue monitors and, you know, modern... 80s modern equipment everywhere. Yeah. The aesthetics of that film are incredible. Looks yeah. really the film like is you know you could it's a little bit dodgy later on maybe but but the but the script I thought the script's fantastic and the way it asks those questions about like the you know scientific exploration of the paranormal what would that look like you know? yeah very stone tapes kind of idea um, and we were definitely drawn on that for Haunted Oster Live, no doubt about it. But we also were thinking like, you know, 
I'm a big fan of low budget, high concept. And if your budget is like really low, go as high concept as possible. Sure. So that's what we did, you know. Um, and we always wanted it to be scary. Like we didn't even like calling it comedy horror because comedy horror's got a bit of a rep. Um, and it's very, very tricky. And a lot of distributors and a lot of festivals, like I understand why they see they see the comedy horror tag and they probably I don't know, there's an instinctive kind of ooh, you know. Um yeah. but we do call it comedy horror now because now that I've seen it in the cinema, there's <laughs> the first half, like people laugh a lot. But hopefully it is also horror, as you yep. say. Like the, the the final act is pretty like hopefully it's it feels kind of uh eerie bleak and like um complex in some ways you know i hope so anyway that's the intention no it definitely is i mean it because it, it like you said it gets to that last act and you go whoa i I'm, I'm feeling i'm watching something here that that's making me feel something you know a creepiness or a tone you know that which is the sort of the, the carpenter thing so it, i think it definitely does work on that level and what we kind of we learned a lot like we're still learning a lot but we realized like how much of horror is works horror works much better when people care about the characters and feel grounded it grounded in the world and that's why if it was party you could never have been that scary but to present it straight and to create a feeling of like this is a street nobody's going to believe that this is like a live broadcast in 1998 but hopefully there's enough in there that you let people play the game where they can buy into it yeah and then if you hit them with the with the the horror later on it, it has much more of an impact like classic examples the exorcist which everybody's talking about at the minute the exorcist is scary because of the family drama that goes on before it and because of those real relationships and all those lovely natural scenes of Reagan and her mom and it just feels like a camera's just capturing like a family that's why the exorcist is scary not because of yeah the, the, the exorcism itself yeah. you know I mean I agree I mean you see so many kind of horror films low budget big budget whatever where the characters are so unlikable to begin with you don't actually care what happens to them you know and that is the thing you need to have that attachment that you don't yes. want them to die or be harmed or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's tough, don't get me wrong, it's tough to do that. There's, You have to do the work to get there. But um, it's a nice little bit, It's a, I don't know, it's a kind of an obvious thing maybe, but it's definitely a bit of learning that I've taken away from this that I would use in the future, you know. And speaking of the future, obviously this is being kind of well-reviewed. What is next for you? Have you had offers? Have people reached out? How's things looking? Um, so the uh, the the plan is this will wind up on VOD, uh, probably like May, let's say, um, and then hopefully then Halloween next year it will have its on it's it's like VOD life, you know. Yeah. Because it's a it's a hol it's a Halloween film, um, but how it gets to VOD. Like there's a few different routes and I, I don't know yet. I don't know. Um, we've had some offers that we've, we're just holding on a little bit. Also we're holding on because we haven't had the Irish premiere yet. Sure. And um, it just feels like we don't, some, who knows if something came out of that, but it's, def, it's definitely worth, 
we're we're kind of like I I feel a bit more relaxed about all that because we've got good reviews, and I didn't realize <laughs> I didn't realize how important good reviews. I didn't know if I really cared about reviews, and then I realized I did. <laughs> you know, we we're very lucky that we've had good reviews, we've had good letterbox reviews, and we realize how important it's going to be for the film on VOD that it has like uh that it has a, a good profile online. Um, so that's made us feel kind of not relaxed, but we kind of feel quietly confident that it'll have an audience. Yeah. And it might be a slow burn, and I'm all right with that, because a lot of great horror I don't discover until a year or two later. So it's kind of, you got to be prepared to sort of let the film find its audience and grow, and that's kind of started already, you know? Well, that's, I mean, with horror films in particular, you, you often do find a backlash if somebody releases something and it's like, oh, the greatest, scariest horror film ever made. You know, and then you end up watching it go, well, it was all right. <laughs> Absolutely. Like Lake Mungo is something I think about. I didn't see Lake Mungo until maybe three years ago. Somebody had been badgering me to watch it the way people do. And I had a list of 100 films, but I watched it because it just felt like it felt untethered. Like I didn't know who made it, where it came from. I knew it was Australia, but like I didn't know anything about it. And it was just this great little unique horror. And yes, if if that had been thrown in my face as the scariest found footage film since the Blair Witch Project, I would have immediately had like preconceived notions about it. So I I agree with you. It's nice to let people find things, give yeah. them enough that they can find it. But um, I love the idea of Haunted Oscar Life becoming a like a real Halloween film that you know people talk about share and every year it gets a little bit more of an audience you know well that's it i mean every year you could be showing it at the qft again that could be a, a yearly thing for you you never know you can't force a cult film no <laughs> but it's a lovely idea i agree yeah no but um anyway i'll uh i'll let you i'll leave it at that i think it's a great way to end um can i say dominic thank you for taking the time obviously you'd uh, a big night last night so i'm i'm grateful that you were up and ready to talk today brilliant thanks very much now anything else you need just give me a shout oh definitely and i hope that the premiere goes well and uh, i really do look forward to see what you do next and i'll, I'll be keeping a track of, of how it all goes cheers thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the movies and focus podcast i would really appreciate it if you could rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to tell your friends about it that's it for this time and i'll see you at the movies Thank <laughs> you.